peace, namaste, and shalom. Everybody out there in dreamland, I am the beyond top secret Texan. Join me on my podcast, the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast, where I explore the outer limits of human abilities, top secret military technologies, the reality of extraterrestrial Earth alliances, secret space wars, advanced cryptozoology, subjects of theosophic truth, esotericism, and the occult. Beyond the Top Secret Texan Podcast. Greetings everybody out there in dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all tuning into the broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan, and I am broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. And it is my pride and privilege to be doing so. Thank you listeners, new and old. Thank you all those who have chosen to view the archives. I see the numbers are going through the roof on episodes that I produced many, many moons ago. Thank you all for your interest in my earliest works, my rawest works, as well as some of my most honest and upfront works. Thank you all for your interest in these newer, later episodes. Thank you for everything. For your support, for your moral motivation, for your kind words. For rating five stars on reviews. And for reaching out with your own stories and evidence. Follow Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Texan to the directory of all my social media and web activity and links You can find my Instagram page, my Twitter, Telegram, YouTube. You can find uh, the podcast, website, podpage.com, slash beyondtopsecrettexan. You can find it all through that one very simple link, link tree, slash beyondtopsecrettexan. Thank you all very much in advance for doing that, for liking, for following, for subscribing, for sharing, because... As shadow banned as we are, probably one of the most shadow banned channels, shadow banned projects of recent memory. I need you, my listeners out there in Dreamland, to share, share, and share this media to your friends, your family. Social websites like forums, Reddit, etc., 4chan, something awful, whatever you guys prefer, whatever is the hip new happening spot online. 
then thank you also in advance for that. These are free things to do. Doesn't cost you anything but more than maybe five or ten seconds of your time to help promote this great endeavor as well as secure the production of more episodes forever into the future. If you would like to see an increase in production value, if you would like to see an increase in uh, guests that we are featuring, an increase in um, projects and the ambition such as on-site field investigations, recording with night vision, uh, you know, for UFOs into the sky, extended expeditions out into, you know, military sites, subterranean bases, tunnels, ex uh, searching and exploration, etc., urbaxing. Consider becoming a paid subscriber. It is completely symbolic. It is completely as a show of support. And consider donating or leaving a tip through Twitter or through PayPal. Patreon has banned me. I have been completely kicked off and deplatformed from Patreon. Not once, but twice. Count them twice. Two strikes through the Patreon system. I'm sorry for all the former and awesome subscribers of the Patreon. They have been kicking my ass when it comes to censorship. Big tech knows we are a threat to their system. We are lighting the fires. We are starting the revolution. Thank you all very much. I know that was very uh, awesome and bombastic uh, opening and call to support and arms and everything like that. Thank you all very much. Uh, we'll be getting into the subject matter right now very very quickly it's about paranormal stories submitted by military members anonymously military anons from various eras various branches various tours of duty thank them all you know for their service for their for their time i know as a veteran myself that's corny and uh, an obligation I feel is shared by everyone of this nation regardless of the fact that only so very, very, very few are volunteering for military service, especially within these last couple of decades. But regardless, and because of that reason, thank them Thank all veterans. Thank a veteran that you know or meet for their service. Don't make a big deal about it. But it does mean a lot. Sometimes to some people. And that should never be forgotten or looked down upon or publicly shamed or whatever. It's not cringe. It's just a good and nice thing to do. It's like waving to a stranger. You know, yes, it is... It isn't couth. It isn't... 
you know, cool or whatever, I get it. But if you want to drop the tough guy act and want to help someone maybe improve their day a lot, maybe help them out when they think they've been forgotten, it's free. Never hurts to just thank someone for their service. These are paranormal stories that were submitted by these military anons. They're not creations of my own, but I will read them. Because I think they need to be shared as far and wide and as loud and clear as they can. jump into it. The first one, we'll be reading 20 of these. We'll be reading 20 paranormal military and non-stories. Marine Corps Air Station Iwakuni. Between 2016 and 2018, the MCAS Iwakuni, I was crash, fire, rescue. And there was definitely some spooky things going on in the crash barn. When you were dispatched, sometimes you'd see people on the cameras that looked over the truck deck late at night, but only shadowy figures. Or you'd hear footsteps as if someone was coming up the stairs to dispatch, but the door never opened. This includes creaking on the floor that would only be heard after coming through the door. It would almost be like a shadow of someone on the screen, except there wasn't anyone to make a shadow since the lights were out. They would walk around the trucks and by the gear racks. I also distinctively remember seeing a dark figure through the window of the EFR office as I sat at the smoke pit. Gives me little chills now just thinking back on it. Story 2 Camp Horno. I have two experiences for you. First, the Taj Mahal Camp Horno. We just got back from a week-long field op, and I was ready to get laid, so I brought my girlfriend at the time to my room after getting some food. I lived alone in this room. We hung out, ate some food, then went to sleep. At 3.33, I woke up to a feeling of being watched. I looked over to the empty bed across the room and saw an eight-foot shadow that looked like it had a hood on leaning over my bed. The second is at the Hilton in Camp Horno. I don't remember the building number. Shit went crazy there. I have had poltergeist experience, including doors slamming, closed objects thrown, and lights... Sorry, doors slamming closed, objects thrown, and lights turning on and off. Also remembered, I have had experiences in cra- or crack barracks in Camp Horno. I was sitting in my chair playing video games at about 12.30 a.m. when I caught some movement out of the corner of my eye. I looked over and seen my corporal from when I was a boot. He had committed suicide three months prior. I saw him and talked with him for about 15 minutes before he just disappeared. Story 3 
Kapuka Training Area. Hey man, Aussie Soldier here. During my basic training at Kapuka, we were staying in the Bravo Company lines, dedicated and decorated on the walls with history and photos of Australia's old commando units from War II through to now. The barracks are old and sleeping with your door open and you hear everything, including the distinct sounds of people going to the latrines. About a week into training, as us recruits are all getting to know more about each one of the others, says that we saw a dark shadow at the foot of his bed one night. We all rip into him saying it was probably a dream or the duty NCO fucking around until a few days later when I randomly awoke sometime between 3 to 4 a.m. and looked toward the door where a violent and sudden whoosh of air went by as if someone sprinted past. There was no one else in the hallway. It happened two more times on random occasions, but the weirdest experience was the TV. At the main latrine end of the hallway, on the second floor, was a foyer area with the platoon offices for the NCOs, as well as a TV and a life-sized purple Taz, the Looney Tunes Tasmanian Tiger. We used the TV for PowerPoint sometimes during the day, but it was always off at night during lights out. The female rooms were the closest to the foyer, and one day all of them spoke to the rest of the boys and asked if we had heard the TV playing last night. We said we didn't, which was true, as most of us passed out every night thanks to the 45-degree heat and exhaustion. That's uh, 45 degrees Celsius, by the way. And asked what it was playing. They said it would play a jazzy 1940s-type beat, rewind with a screech and restart in a low, almost demonic drone. Two of three of them went out to check it out but found the TV was off before the music stopped. A few nights later, I was awoken by a low droning voice and a jazzy 1940s type beat that all of a sudden sounded like a VHS tape being rewound and began playing from the start. I jumped out of bed and found a friend in the hallway. As confused as fuck as to what the hell was playing from the TV, we both ventured out into the foyer cautiously and saw the TV with its blue-gray no-signal warning floating listlessly and illuminating the foyer and a Taz and a ghostly glow that I've never really forgotten. My mate and I both attempted to turn off the TV but couldn't as that god-awful low baritone voice and almost demonic jazz saxophone kept pulsating through the building until it rewound and stopped playing itself. All our instructors had homes off base and swore they had not fucked with us on any occasion. Further, they stated that the company HQ across the parade ground was haunted with ghosts walking around at night and was a reason the DS, the drill sergeant, all fucked off after dark and didn't like to sleep there. Story 4 Fort Irwin I've got a couple instances of paranormal stuff while I was in the army. 
I was stationed at Fort Irwin for a few years, and throughout my time, their weird stuff would happen in the box. The one that sticks out the most was when my platoon was tasked with occupying a building in the largest mock town in the training area. We set up all our equipment, ammo, sleeping area, and all that, and set up a guard on the third story of the building to scan for RTU. Soldiers who came to train who were on forced on force against us. So we have a rotating guard, hour shifts for 24 hours. My shift is the 4 to 5 shift and my alarm wakes me up 10 minutes prior so I have time to throw on my boots, grab my smokes, the works. I head up to the third story to relieve the guy before me and when I get to the third floor I find him in the fetal position, shaking. I'm like, what the fuck, and assume maybe he's having a medical emergency and I'm like, yo yo, what's up bro, you good? And as soon as he hears me, he opens his eyes and looks up at me and just starts crying. Like, I'm talking the fucking thank God crying as if I just saved his life or something. I'm like, dude, what happened? And he tells me when he was scanning through his nods, he was a... Or he saw a black figure jumping between roofs on the building a little bit away from us. Except every time it, quote-unquote, jumped. He described it as a Super Saiyan and... Dragon Ball Z teleporting and got closer and closer to him. He told me he was just too scared to run downstairs and all he could think of doing was closing his eyes and curling up. He said it looked like an outline of a human except taller and a bit lankier and all black. Immediately believed him as it was more senior guy than I was. We got to Irwin around the same time and had been there a couple of years at this point. We started putting more senior guys on the garbage shifts because the boots would be falling asleep. Me and him were pretty tight with the PSG and the squad leaders were so we weren't afraid to be like, Hey, Sergeant, there's a motherfucking demon out here on the Razish. Our PSG was a very chill and cool dude that the soldiers could go to, but he wasn't a bullshitter. He believed us when we told him what happened the next day, and even shared with us things he had seen in the training area. Many a soldier have died out in the box. Typically, it would be an average of one every month from the RTU. He shared with us a story that would float around about a soldier who flipped his Bradley, and both the TC and him died. Apparently, the driver somehow burned alive. Well, one day him and his driver were turning in the field chow boxes back to the spot where chow was made, distributed, and at this point it's probably 8 to 9. Not so sure, but it was dark. They see a soldier just walking down the middle of one of the men's MCRs and essentially wonder what this dude is doing by himself in the middle of the box from his unit. He was walking with his back to them so that they were pulling up behind him, and when they got right next to him, the driver rolls down the window we were playing insurgents, so they had F-150s to traverse the training area. I asked him essentially, hey, what's up? The dude turns to the driver and grabs his shoulder and starts screaming stuff like, I'm sorry, and it wasn't my fault, it was an accident. Supposedly, the soldier's face was completely burnt and bubbly black. Both the driver and my PSG black out and wake up like 5-10 minutes in a daze. They had no idea what the fuck just happened until they shared the story with someone who they figured wouldn't chew them out or tell them they're crazy or just sleep deprived or anything else people say that deny any possibility of the paranormal. 
The person they told was another PSG from the troop who had been there a while as well. The PSG laughed and said, Oh, ha, that was blank. The ghost had a name, but I can't remember now. It was serious enough to the point where in our briefs, before going out to the box, our PSG would say, Listen, if y'all are driving at night and see a soldier walking along the road at night and he does not react to either white light from the vehicle or the vehicle noise itself, do not stop. Seeing as how my PSG was a 2004 Fallujah vet, we were infantry by the way, and seeing how serious and scared he was every time he would remind us not to stop, kind of gave me chills every time I was on a late night, early morning money shift by myself in the mount town. Story 5 South Korea so this was December of 2018 when we had our gunnery there. I was in a tank company then and we just finished our table so we got asked to go road guard up near a mortar range. It was me, my buddy, and a Katusa. So we take on an LMTV up there sometime in the evening and nothing too bad, still light out, everything seems fine. But we set up somewhere in this heavily forested area. We park the LMTV and we rotate who occasionally goes outside, walks around, and hop back into the cab. Well, when sunset hits, everyone just got this weird feeling, like that fight-or-flight feeling, like we were being watched. We got comms that we may have to stay up there that night because wind is picking up, blah, 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 no biggie. We brought sleeping equipment, but that feeling of being watched wasn't going away. It got stronger. I remember me and my Katusa hopped out to the cab to smoke, and I swear to God I saw figures peeking out from behind trees, like dark silhouettes with what I assumed eyes shining. I counted at at least five of them, all far away, peeking out and darting back out of sight. I thought I was going crazy because I couldn't sleep that much due to gunnery, but my Katusa broke the silence saying I saw them too. We tossed our ciggies and hopped back into the truck. Throughout the night, we saw we saw shadows out there moving tree to tree. And I swear to this day, I heard a woman's faint voice, just barely audible, calling out in the winter winds. Story 6. The Checkpoint. My unit deployed to an allied country in the Middle East as part of a security force guarding several small bases in the middle of nowhere. One of the main duties we had was searching workers at the ECP from local contracting services for weapons and contraband, alcohol, drugs, porn, as they came into the bases. These workers weren't true locals, mostly people from Sri Lanka, Pakistan, and the Philippines who had worked in some fashion for the military for years. One night, when a night crew was coming into the checkpoint, the bus they rode on was going significantly faster than usual and came to a hard stop at the entrance at the worker checkpoint. The worker checkpoint consisted of a gravel parking lot about 100 square feet with a chain link fence tunnel thing about 60 meters long running from the lot to the search area. The workers usually came in single file laughing and joking but these were sprinting off the bus and through the tunnel in a panic. Once we met them and calmed them down, one of the foremen explained the situation. On the bus ride, about two miles short of the base, the worker saw what they described as a ghost covered head to toe in ragged, glowing white robes, carrying a shepherd's staff and moving at incredible speeds across dunes and open fields. Our squad leader called bullshit and thought they had just seen a vehicle's headlights. 
So he's so he sent up one of the fire teams with one of the checkpoint's 240s to lock down the entrance while the rest of us searched the workers. Nothing else happened that night, but similar things happened with other squads rotating through checkpoint duty over the next two months while Tilla workers refused to leave the bus at the entrance unless we sent men to guard them. Only one person in any of the perimeter towers and one Humvee gunner on perimeter patrol ever actually saw anything akin to what the workers were seeing. Those men were in different platoons with different rotations, so I never got their stories. The issue of the shepherd's ghost continued until one major incident when my platoon was on rotation at a different outpost a few hours away. According to the squad leader on duty at the ECP who I was personal friends with and was able to talk to, the outgoing second shift workers returned to the checkpoint saying the night shift bus, which was their ride back to their apartments, hadn't arrived and was over an hour late. Several Humvees were sent out and the bus was found about a quarter mile from the gate wrecked on its side over a rocky hill. One worker was dead and most others badly injured. The survivors all told the same story. The shepherd's ghost had chased the bus, rammed into the side of it, and pushed them over the side of the road. The siding stopped after that night. The workers begged. We kept sending men at night to guard the entrance to the checkpoint, so we did. A collection was taken up amongst the troops for the dead workers' families, and we raised several grand for them. A few years later, I got into a conversation with one of my friends who stayed behind me with our replacements to help them ease in after we went home. Though, while catching up, he mentioned something almost in passing. About a month late after we left, the sighting started again. Story 7 Fort Sill In 2012, I was at USMC, U.S. Military Corps, U.S. Marine Corps, sorry, U.S. Marine Corps Artillery School at Fort Sill. We had just moved to a new set of old Army barracks buildings right next to the cemetery. There were three buildings, but we only occupied two of them. The third building, which was adjacent to the cemetery, was the unoccupied building, but the guys waiting to pick up class still had to clean it off. We had heard from other people that area was kind of spooky with the cemetery and everything like that, and Ouija boards had kind of made a comeback at that time, and some guys had said they were having some really strange stuff happen with all of that there. Anyway... There was no power in that third building, and the second and third decks were extremely dark, so you had to have flashlights to get around. The iPhone flashlight would only come on if you were taking a video, so one of my buddies had his phone and was taking a video in order to have a flashlight on so we could see what was we were doing, and after we got finished. He was watching that video listening for something funny that someone had said, and he saw this in his video. This is a screenshot of it. And in the screenshot is a translucent white figure down an empty hallway. That's real. That, that's real angry as fuck. 
Dory 8. Nosy Bastards. YTA Fort Wainwright, Alaska. When we got back from our company blank fire iteration, me and one of the gunners from Weapon Squad were standing around bullshitting, and we see this light in the sky going kind of slow in a straight line. We point at it and laugh, saying, oh, ha, ha, it's a Russian spy plane or a UFO, ha, ha. And then it fucking disappears. It blinks of an eye, and it's gone. We looked at each other, looked up where it was, looked around, looked back at each other, and burst out laughing. We told some of the other dudes in our platoon, and they believed us. Apparently, it wasn't the first time people had seen something like that happen. Aliens are nosy bastards. Story 9. Ghost Cat. This was back in December 2009, when I was in the Norwegian Engineer Battalion. We were stationed in a northern Norway at a small amphibious training facility, and at the same place were this old boat museum where they stored some old vessels and boats, mostly old fishing boats and wrecks. And two of us had to go shift guard at night to watch the piers for intruders and drunk teens. This was a very quiet night with some snowflakes falling from the night sky, a light breeze, and only the sound from the boots at the pier, or the boats at the pier. We went into the guard shack and watched the monitors and talked. Then the other guy had to go up to the barracks and fetch something, and I was sitting there alone watching the monitors, and I sensed the mood change around me. I heard this loud, growling, hissing meow from what sounded to me the way a cat would sound if you accidentally stepped on its tail. The sound was so loud that it raised my hair and I got a freezing feeling on my back and sprang up from my chair. I immediately looked under the desk and checked if there was a cat or something beneath, but no, nothing. I tried to check if the chair could have made the sound or something, but there was no chance. Some minutes later, the other guy came in looking all sleepy and looked weirdly at me, asking why I was pale in the face and if I'd seen a ghost. I didn't say anything about what had occurred. Then years later, I heard talk about the ghost cat at the same base, that this was a very well-known omen around these parts. Story number 10, Bayview. So rumor has it that Bayview Restaurant and MCRD San Diego was in a mortuary for lots of fallen Marines and also a crematorium back in World War II. I was a PMO there for a few years and I worked night shifts and I was one of the buildings we were supposed to check. Now I never believed those rumors to be true or anything. However... One night around 2 a.m., I just finished my check on the building's doors as I was alone and sitting on my patrol car doing some paperwork when I heard this loud thump on the roof of my car. I thought it was a pine cone or something hit my car, but when I looked in the mirror, there was a shadow figure probably 10 meters behind my car. I thought it might be one of my guys or someone fucking with me, so I turned around my codes real quick to blind them, but as soon as I did, the figure, like, disappeared. 
I got out real fast just to look around and see if I saw anyone, but just had a super uneasy feeling, so I got back in my car and drove away ASAP. I know other dudes had weird experiences like no one being there and lights being turned on, tables and chairs being moved around and seeing shadow figures as well and having shit hit their cars too. Story 11 The One-Armed Man This was back in May of 2010. KAF Afghanistan Background This is my first deployment KAF being one of the largest bases in the area Not super high threat Being an intel guy But we got a bunch of 107's lobbed at us And suicide bombers occasionally Anyway I was there for Project Liberty Which was a push to get more ICSR In the area using twin prop MC-12's was the first crew in KAF to stand up, so the first few weeks there we had nothing to do but wait for the planes to hop from the U.S., so I had the glorious job of driving these old Chinese buses around the airfield perimeter acting as a glorified bus driver. Around the beginnings of summer is usually the fighting season for TV, so we started to receive a lot of IDF more frequently. So one night after eating at one of the DFACs and hanging out, we got a ground attack alarm. First one since I had been there. It was a huge coordinated attack on the north side of KAF with IDF and a bunch of people on foot. Went on for several hours and we finally got the all clear. I just smoked a few butts and went to bed. In the morning, I checked in with my shop to see what the details were, and apparently most of the guys on the ground had suicide vests and basically rigged a tractor as a V-bed in order to breach the perimeter. In the chaos, the guys ended up getting the tractor stuck and detonated it, and then detonated themselves, sending legs and arms everywhere. After I checked with my shop, I resumed my temporary bus driver job and had to drive past where they had tried to breach and saw what looked like an arm drying on the concertina, wire on the fence, absolutely brutal. Didn't think much of it and went on with my day. Fast forward a week or so, we got most of our aircraft in and can actually work doing ISR support for base defense and other things. This is where the paranormal starts to happen. The BDA pictures came in from the attack with pictures of exploding bodies and all the equipment they were using, pretty gnarly stuff. But I noticed one of the guys wearing traditional garb, still had pristine white dish dash, and had a stump where his arm should have been. Maybe this was the guy who had his arm launched onto the wire. Just something unsettling about the picture. He, sees, he seems so untouched, minus the arm. A few days later, during a base defense mission, we were following a guy in a motorcycle where we thought was a facilitator, and I kept seeing a guy with one arm at an intersection on my feed. Every intersection I could see a one-armed man dressed in white. When I, when I said something about it, the sensor operator said, yeah, it was weird, but in this area of the world, men with one arm is a very common sight. But at every intersection... I asked them to switch to IR instead of standard DTV or color view, and the guy was giving off a cool signature, literally cold compared to everyone else as we scanned by. We couldn't really stay on it because we were in the middle of an important 
a following and important guy, but what the fuck was that? It was extremely weird. About a few days after that, while walking it to work around two a, or sorry, twenty, I noticed a silhouette of a man in traditional clothes in one of the concrete bunkers standing by. Not out of the norm, local nationals would be all over the base and would often hang out in the bunkers to smoke the cigarette butts the men would leave. But when I looked closer, he was just standing straight up, not moving, and had one arm. I got a real feeling of dread and felt shivers and noped the fuck out of there to work. I told my shop and they laughed at me, said I was crazy, and poked fun of the remainder of the shift. The only person that wasn't laughing was my OIC who pulled me aside after shift and said he'd seen the same thing at a different bunker on the opposite side of the base at the same time I said I saw it. Truly creepy shit and after that one instance never saw him in person or on my feed ever again. Story 12 Edson Range At Edson Range, I was on Firewatch one night with a buddy during MCT. We were back on Edson during this time due to wildfires in 2014. We knew it would be relatively quiet when all of a sudden we saw what appeared to be a Marine dressed fully in camis and cover jump down from one of the racks. We both tried to see who it was, but the face appeared really dark, darker than cami paint. The Marine hit the ground and dashed really fast towards the back exit. We both braced for the loud bang of the door when it appeared that the Marine went right through it. Scared and curious at the same time, we ran towards the exit to see if we could catch sight of whatever ran off. Opening the door, we saw nothing in the darkness except the wildfires. We went back to the rack where the operation jumped from, finding one of our buddies peacefully snoring. We both talked about what happened the following day when another Marine we heard our story tells his own. He said that one night during Firewatch, we would look across the sand pit to the other squad bay. He said he would see ruby eyes staring right back at him from the same deck level. Curious as to what it was, he and the other Marine on Firewatch tiptoed to the other squad bay to see if it was a bat. They only found that the windows were closed and the squad bay locked. Story 13. The Angry One. Okay, so I got one that happened not too long ago back in 2020 on MCRD Paris Island. Still currently stationed there, so not going to name any specific battalions, but this particular event occurred in a squad bay. So I was on battalion duty while my company was off cycle. 
This meant that we hadn't picked up our recruits yet for about another week, meaning the squad base were just rows of empty racks and all the offices were empty. Duty is overnight, so i just done my last tour of the battalion spaces and it was about to hit the rack for the night in my office, which is in the same building as the squad base. It was a few hours later, around 200... I got woken up by a loud shout, like super loud screams coming from the squad bay below my office. It was so loud, I thought it was recruits, and I was dreaming, but after setting up and listened, I heard the shouting start up again. At this point, I'm confused because no one should be in a six-squad-bay-sized building except me. I chalked it up but to just heavy-duty brain fog. Laid back down, it almost immediately I heard the shouting start again. So now I'm thinking, okay, a drill instructor who thinks he's slick took some kids to mess them up into a squad bay. He thinks it's empty, so nobody will see what they're doing. They are pretty strict rules on what we can and can't do in regards to recruits. So I started to get dressed to go downstairs, all the while hearing what, that I am wholeheartedly convinced is recruits being messed with. I could even hear the distinct drill instructor command voice shouting orders and counting down and recruits responding. I even felt the dick vibrate as they were running around. So I finally got my boots on and hurried down the central stairs and at this point the screams are incredibly loud. Like how am I the only one responding to this loud? I get to the double doors and I throw it open and I step onto the quarter deck. I whip inside the ready to send away a drill instructor and some kids, but before I can raise my voice to stop everything, I stop dead in my tracks. The lights are all off. The racks are still empty and undisturbed, and it is dead quiet in this squad bay. I'm talking like you could have heard a fly fart. It was so quiet. At this point, I know I wasn't dreaming. And I get this gut feeling like whatever is in here is angry and wants me gone. All the hair stands up on the back of my neck and as I go to take my first step out, I feel the temperatures just plummet. I spin around so fast out of there my heart was pounding. The door to the squad bays are on those like metal slow down things so they don't slam. But as I turn the corner I heard this thing just slam shut as I ran out. Later, after we got our recruits on deck and right before they were going to graduate, I asked Firewatch if they were ever seen anything weird on that deck and they thought I meant with recruits. Burr once I mentioned paranormal, one froze and just said, whoever it is, he's angry. That's the last I ever stepped foot on that deck after dark by myself. Story 14. Paris Island. I was on PI from the marksmanship instructor. The first time I saw it was as a marksmanship instructor on Hugh City Rifle Range. I was super hungover and walking down range. It's always like 5 something in the morning and super dark out. We're also all the first ones down range. On the left side of Way City, there's a cut out between like 500 and 300-ish yard lines that runs into tree lines where recruits do training. I was walking down the left of the range and I saw it just standing on the edge of the road. Same thing, long arms, thin silhouette figure. It just stood there, turned around, and walked into the tree line. 
Like I said, I was super hungover, and I just figured it was a drill instructor or someone from the range. It felt weird, but I figured between being half drunk still, tired, and dark, my eyes and mind were just fucking with me. Fast forward to one month before I get out. I'm standing on the front catwalk, the walkway, that's on the side of the barracks closest to the beach, and if you look straight, there's a head bathroom the lights always flicker in. I was listening to music out there and drinking like we always did, and the light went out finally. When I looked over at it, I saw the silhouette just off the corner of the head facing me. I turned around and walked back behind. The hairs on my arms and neck stood up like I had never felt before in my life. The first time was the first month I was down there. The last time was the last month. It was my sick, scary greeting and farewell to that island. Story 15 Australian Cadets I definitely have an experience of my own that I'd love to share from a camp I did with the Australian Army Cadets. It was late November 2018. In my part of the world, it's summer. It was my third year as a cadet. Every year we go on camps to different military bases to experience military life in the field. This particular base they were doing as a NAVEX, which we used to be the Jungle Warfare Center, where the trained Vietnam soldiers back in the 1960s. On night three, we set up a platoon harbor in one of the old mock villages. Picket posts were set up by a chicken coop just on the outskirts, and I would be on watch from 0300 to 0400. Didn't have a bad vibe or anything till night fell. I felt like I was being watched, and so did some others in my section once the bush went dark. I finally fell asleep. I was prodded awake by my buddy to start my picket duty. I was watching our western flank. I still couldn't shake this eerie feeling. After a few moments of staring into the black void of the jungle, I could hear leaves crunch under the weight as if someone was walking towards me. It is absolutely pitch black. No moon, and the tree cover is dense. The footsteps get closer, then they stopped a few steps before me. I cautiously stepped forwards and held out my hand out of curiosity, and it felt like I stuck my hand inside a freezer. I lurched my hand back from shock. I felt the blood leave my face as I turned pale. I couldn't see what approached me as I frantically looked around the darkness. After what felt like a minute, the sounds of rushed footsteps came towards me and stopped like I had vanished. I instantly felt cold all over like a blast of cold air hit me. I stumbled backwards a bit and nearly tripped over onto the chicken coop fence. Finally, my relief effort came over and sat down. He noticed my pale face and asked what's wrong. I didn't have words at the time but told him I'd explain in the morning which definitely out him on the edge. I went back to my hoochie to sleep, but I couldn't. I was on alert the whole night. I finally told my picket relief that's wrong in the morning, and he was definitely shaken when I said that I felt cold. He explained how he had a sudden temperature drop while he was sitting and had a bad feeling. I still remember it so vividly to this day, and I often use it as my classic around the campfire ghost story with my family. I have experienced stuff since then, but nothing like that can't 100% say as my experience with the paranormal is limited, but definitely felt as a ghost of a former soldier who may have passed away on base or something, paid me a visit. You never get to ask the question.
Story 16. Camp Seven Mile. I've got a creepy story. It's short, but something that I think back on quite a bit. At the time, I was a cadet in my 5th of Army ROTC working TOC ops for a joint FTX at Camp 7 Mile. Camp 7 Mile is a large training area located near Spokane, Washington, typically used by the Air Force, but also uses our JFTXs. We had a day into night and land nav the first we were out there. I had got the short end of the stick and was sent out to a man a CP two mile from the TOC. The CP was in an open area with some trees and a path that ran in front of me and a cliff about 100 meters to my back. It was fine during the day with many one-three-year cadets stopping by the checkpoint. But once it got into the night visibility, it was cut down to barely seeing my hand in front of my face. Few cadets stopped by, but I could see red lenses out in the distance here and there. It was quiet, except for the occasional branch breaking behind me, and freezing that night with no moonlight. Eventually, we got to the end of the night, and I used an air horn to signal for all other cadets still looking for points to work their way back to the TOC main AA. I started my two-mile trek back knowing no one was behind, and if they were there, they'd come over to me since I had a lamp, and seven miles terrain is a bit rough. Ground is speckled with rounded rocks with slick moss and deadfalls, making it almost impossible to run without biffing it in the dark. Foreshadowing. As I'm making my way back, I can hear something behind, something massive, breaking branches and scraping on rocks. I turned and shined my headlamp, calling out to see if a cadet was trying to catch up to me. No response. I'm about a mile and a half at this point with terrain that is about 15 minutes from the TOC. I continue at a faster pace, branches still breaking behind me, and stop when my peer called me up to tell me all cadets accounted for. My heart is almost beating out of my chest and my stomach drops. My mind starts racing as I continued forward, hoping whatever was behind me would just go away, but it didn't. Ten minutes later, I finally see the lights of the main AA and TOC, which was out in a field not speckled in rocks. So I took off running and made it back to what I'm considering safety. My peers got spooked by what I told them, and we were speculating as to what the hell it could have been. Maybe a moose, but why would a moose follow me like that? A bear? but a black bear wouldn't have gone for it, right? Another cadet, nope, they were all accounted for. It didn't help that I had watched the forest the day before. It had to have been bipedal from what I recall of the stepping sounds. Now that I think of it, there are a lot of rumors of Squatch on the PNW. I think it was a Squatch. Story 17 Tales from the Border I do have a three stories told to me by BP agents when I was working in the border with them. So the first one is from this guy whose old partner was First Force Recon Fallujah Vet Multiple Combat Tour Schools that works you know. But he said that on one shift he couldn't make it. Guy telling a story so he left his partner, the recon guy, well, the very same path that we took to post was the path he took that day. It was more of a gravel path that winded up and down through a valley with some drop-off on the sides. 
Well, when you get to the end, there's this big-ass gate that requires you to step out and manually open it. So this recon guy goes to open it, pass through, and he sees this woman on the side of the road. So he goes up to her thinking it's an illegal immigrant, asking stuff like, Hey, are you okay, ma'am? And he said all she did was cry. He gets closer and closer, and he said that she got up, stopped crying, turned, and she had no face. Blank like a mannequin. Dude books it back to the car with his sidearm out and reversed through the gate. He looked back, and he didn't see her. The scary part besides her no face is that she disappeared. There's no way she could have. On the left side of an almost vertical rocky hill, and to the right was a very steep drop-off, that even if you got down, you can still go around for miles. Guy said she just disappeared and he stayed in the car. The BP guy said he believes it because the guy was shaking and couldn't believe a recon marine was that scared even after all the shit he's seen. Second one was another guy telling us about an op he was on. They do these ambush type missions with walk-ons and spotters. They monitor groups or people trying to pass, so they get two guys on Overwatch with thermals, nods, and scopes to stop people while the other guys try to cut off the group or get ahead and wait for them to either pass or come on behind them or ambush-style arrest them. Anyways, he was on mission, like the, but he was on the ground team. Well, they have been tracking this group of four guys for over a few hours, and the terrain is hard and very physically demanding. They catch a break when they start to slow down because they were going up a steep hill. So he runs parallel to the trail and is still covered and gets ahead and hides in a bush. His partner goes up ahead and stops at the peak hidden, hit, waiting for them. Overwatch, of course, watching this and walking them on and giving them updates like, oh, four guys 200 meters out, or see that rock right ahead, they are about to pass it, etc. So now they are waited. On this path, that the four guys are taking up, the guy in the bush goes radio silent, waiting. Overwatch tells him they passed, and he's coming up behind them, and his partner up top sandwiches them. Just then, an Overwatch says, he's y'all got a straggler. Don't think he saw you guys yet, so the agent books it down the hill into another bush, waiting for him also to come up. Overwatch says he's passing them. Guy radios back like, no, I don't see anything. You sure? They say, yes, he just passed you. Okay, now he's running. Guy jumps out, except expecting to see him running, and doesn't. Thinking, okay, this guy is fast, he's starting running, and the OW is like, shit, he's so fast. And then in a the little dip, they lost him, and OW doesn't have eyes on the guy. So the guy radios his partner up the hill and says, get ready, one coming your way. The, the guy on the hill uh, looks down, um... And says, well, he reached the top, and his partner tells him no one ever comes up the hill. They get other agents for backup, and they take the dudes they caught while he and his partner in the Overwatch look for the guy. Never caught anyone or picked up any trails, nothing. So they questioned the guys back in holding, and they said they didn't travel with anyone besides their group of four. Fucking crazy. Story 18. FOB Rustamaya. On my first tour in 05, 
forward operating base, Rustamaya, one of the guys in our first PLT, I believe, he came off a 24-hour LP op and went into a port, John, and took his life. I think about a week or so, we came back to the FOB. I went and took a shower in the trailers we had. I was at the very back of the showers when a shadow of a dude walked past. I stuck my head out and looked across and nothing. I jumped out, went dried in my room. I get into Bilsek, Germany in June of 2007 and the guys are getting ready to deploy. A few of us from the previous deployment with 4th ID were sent to Rear D for dwell time. We had CQ, I believe, one day on, one day off for a bit. I'm sitting there with my runner. When I tell him I'm going to pee and I'll be right back, he just nodded and kept watching his DVD. I'm peeing with the door open when I get the feeling of being watched. I looked back and just see half a face. I did a double take and it was gone. Thinking it was a runner messing with me, I looked out and see him with his headphones on watching his movie. The door was locked on one end of the hallway. I get to the desk, asked him if he was messing with me. He said no and kept watching his movie. We get back from that deployment, 22SRCR08. I'm on CQ during a Friday, Saturday. I go on to do my checks. I see one of my bud's doors is open. The barracks were sweet style with the kitchen in the middle and two rooms side by side. I'm at the first door and I start talking to him a few minutes and the blender gets knocked off. He just looks at it and says that it's normal that they see orbs and other weird things in the barracks all the time. Story 19. Galindo almost got clapped. My buddy Galindo and I met at school. Both played on the Quantico High School baseball team, and almost every day after practice we would go hunt for new fishing spots around the base. A lot of time in places we felt like we could potentially get told to get the fuck out of an MP rolled up, but we figured that it would be the least fished areas. Someone told us to check out the beach area behind the old Larson's gym. If you're not familiar, it's directly next to the HMX airfield. And that there was a great spot to catch Big River cats along the embankment. We went there the first time, and the MPs over at HMX rolled a car or two over and sat watching us from across the channel. It felt a little uncomfortable being watched by the MPs, but also not being told to leave either, so we caught a few fish and elected to return the next day since there was some success. Same thing next day. Left after baseball practice, parked in Larson's gym's parking lot, and hauled out gear down this old rope put in place to get down to the embankment. We were killing it that day on the fish and decided to stay into the evening after the sun went down. The fishing eventually slowed down. It was late as fuck, and I was tired. As I was about to call it a wrap, we started hearing some weird jostling in the water. Straight up sounded like a person fell in and was splashing to keep afloat. I looked in the direction of the noise, which is probably 20 feet into the water, at the mouth of the embankment, and I saw a figure moving towards us. As it got closer, it got taller. Definitely was on two legs. It made it until it was standing about two to three feet in the water and still stood five to six feet tall before I dropped all my shit and booked it. I have never felt a fight-or-flight moment where instinctually I picked to run for my life. Galindo kind of stalled before I think he realized what he was looking at, and then he was not far behind me. 
I thought Galindo was going to get clapped because his ass froze up for a second. We both scaled up the rope on the cliff to our car in Larson's parking lot. Whatever it was that came out of the water ran down the other side of the embankment. I tried to reason and think logically that it could have been a driver or something military-related, but ultimately no driver is seven feet tall and driving around HMX way after midnight. That's a very high-security airfield. No doubt what we saw, though, and no idea what could have been. Tall, skinny, and looked like it did not intend to run into us. That's all about what I remember from seeing it because it was dark outside and I quickly opted to get the fuck out. I remember it rising up out of the water as it got closer, dark colored all over, looked like it may have had shit on it dragging from being in the water like underwater brush or something. Water was quickly pouring off of it and dripping as it sloshed it, the water towards us. Part of my wishes are that I got a better look at it so I could give finer details, but I think most of the situation would have taken off like I did. I didn't make any noises, or it didn't make any noises either, rather than the water splashing, but it 100% appeared shocked like us when it took off in the other direction. I wish I was creative enough to be BSing the story, but Galindo and I are both witness to it, and neither of us have any idea what the fuck that thing was. It was large, bipedal, dark in color all over, and appeared to be dragging brush from underwater as it exited to the beach area. What I am confident in is that it wasn't a diver, unless Yao Ming is a Navy SEAL. Story 20 Ghost Grenade this was the old story from the grenade range at Paris Island. Story has it from what I was told about it is back in the 70s, well, like everything, DIs are dicks, and recruits are tired or even suicidal. Apparently, this Marine was handed a live grenade to throw by an asshole DI. Instead of throwing it, the recruit stuffed it down the DI's flak, and then the DI grabs the recruit and drags him down. The grenade goes off the two birds with one stone. But this is what I remember when I was doing the crawl for life or whatever it's called. We heard the unmistakable thumps of grenades behind us. I stopped and was sitting there watching the effects of what looked like the flashing and booming of grenades from behind me. A few recruits were like, wow, this is amazing. Suddenly a DI notices us staring off in wonderment. He stares at those flashes and booms and growls without taking his eyes off them. Eyes to the front, those are ghost grenades. Fuck sticks. Thank you all very much for listening to this broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan, reading 20 paranormal stories submitted by Anons. Thank you all very much for listening out there in Dreamland, for supporting, liking, and sharing this content, as well as following my social media accounts that's what helps me the most but if you consider donating please you can tip through twitter you can leave a tip through paypal or you can subscribe through anchor podcast services these are purely symbolic gestures that help me immensely and every cent is 
funding for this podcast operation into the future. Thank you all very much in advance for those who choose to submit a dollar or two or ten so that I can continue producing this content full-time. Thank you all very much to those who have shared to got this message, this media, this broadcast specifically, or the channel to others, either via Reddit, 4chan, social media of your own, etc. Retweet, whatever. Telegram group, whatever. Instagram share. Thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you all. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Peace out.